Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. Brian Pellerin, Ben Meyerson, John Marchant here. It is a 13-0 undefeated season for Florida State. Obviously, with the 16-6 win over number 14 Louisville just yesterday in the ACC Championship game up there in Charlotte. Ben, there to cover it, but uh, a lot to cover there, and I and I think a lot that is should be said needs to be said, and rightfully could be said about this team, this program. Um, but I can't think of that being the place to start today. Obviously, the biggest news of the day being Florida State being number five in the final college football playoff rankings, uh, left outside of the playoff today. And and guys, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you today. We um, I, I don't know where this, this podcast is going to go. I imagine it will be lengthy. And I don't know where you typically listen or, or how you choose to listen, uh, but I would I wouldn't uh, if you got kids or things like that. I'm sure I'm sure at some point will there will be some emotion that will allow a few a few of those curse words to fly through. So this is your not safe for work warning. I'm sure that will come on uh, through the thing. I, I don't really want to continue talking because I, I've been you and I have talked about it beforehand. John's been our, our resident guy here, and, and my request for John, you this weekend was, please just survive the weekend, and uh, I'm impressed you have, and I wouldn't <laughs> blame you if you didn't, but, um, you know, there's a lot to unpack here, but I, I really just want to hand it to you and let you guide the conversation first, man. You've been here the longest, and, and I'm sure this is certainly nothing any of us expected. No, I, I you know, you sometimes you think oh maybe they could do this or they're gonna you know screw fsu or anything and i thought i thought myself the naive person that i am there's no way they would do that right because games matter and then they come out today and tell us that games don't matter um and i we're doing this pod hours later after the announcement show and i'm i'm still fucking mad i'm so mad i'm pissed and I know a lot of people in Null Nation and fans are, and I feel absolutely sick for Jordan Travis. I feel sick for the seniors and the team and all the work they put in. I, I'm mad for Norvell. I know he's mad. Uh, it's 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 a fucking disgrace. I don't. I again apologize for the language. We normally don't do this on this pod. I I'm still furious. I'm absolutely furious. And there's so many things to talk about here. I don't even know where to begin, right? But the decision itself, it shows they don't care about the games. They don't care about uh, the players. They don't care about uh, the sport. They don't care about tradition. They don't care about anything. All they cared about was making sure that an SEC team got in, right? That's all this was. And you can kind of see if you look back on it in hindsight, that's all this was is they were getting an SEC team in no matter what, right? If Georgia wins, that's easy. It would have been them. Maybe FSU gets in. Maybe Texas does. I don't know. We could have gotten screwed either way. But the fact that Alabama beat Georgia meant that they had to put Alabama in. And if you put Alabama in, you can't answer the question about why did Bama get in over Texas because Texas beat them head to head. So now you got to get Texas in. So somebody has to go, right? And they chose for that to be Florida State, and they did it in the grossest way possible, blaming Jordan Travis for his injury, which is disgusting because – he already felt bad enough, and it breaks your heart to see Jordan Travis tweet something like, I wish I broke my leg weeks earlier so that, you know, they could have had more games to show that they were worth this. That, like, that's – it's it was cruel. 
it was disingenuous. Uh, I think another member of Tomination kind of it was evil, right? It, it's it's one of the grossest things I've ever seen. And, you know, people warned us that this would be the case whenever they went to the playoff. But every year, you know, you, you argue with some things here and there. But most of all, the, the committee got it right. And they absolutely didn't get it right here. And they chose what they thought would be the quote-unquote best matchups in the playoffs over what actually happened on the field. It's It's... It's horrible. It's a bad day for college football, not just Florida State. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we're sitting here, right, with an SEC team in now and a Big Ten team in Michigan in. And then you have Washington and Texas who are going to be in those two conferences next year. And so what this really does more than anything else is send the message that the ACC is no longer a power conference. Because they're not. You can't sit here and say that they are now. It's the power two. And we thought that that would be next year, right? They decided to start that now, off the basis of this year. And it's a fucking joke. It's bullshit. And, you know, the decision's made. It's it's already done. You know, I know Florida State's going to play Georgia, but we're never going to see that Florida State team again, right? Because a lot of them are probably, they should do the right thing, the smart thing, and declare for the draft and skip the bowl game. And we're never going to see that that's not, this team deserves so much more than that, everything they did. And to put that on Jordan Travis, that it was his fault, was disgusting. And it was made for money and not because of what happened on the field. And that's why you ended up with a situation where Texas goes from 7-3 to three after beating unranked Oklahoma State in their conference championship game and Florida State, with on their third-string quarterback, beats a top-15 Louisville team by multiple scores and drops out. There's no rationale that made sense that the committee used. It's because all they were trying to do, no matter what, was get an SEC team in. And the SEC didn't deserve it this year. ACC had a better uh, non-conference. Uh, I think non-conference against Power 5, the SEC was like 8-10. and 10. It's just a joke. It, they, you know... And to say to everybody, this is the same people, too. That's what kills me. It's the same people that said, oh, you know, the playoff is going to devalue games of the regular season, blah, blah, blah. The same people saying, oh, no, Alabama should be in over Florida State. Uh, easily, obviously. They went undefeated. They blew out LSU on a neutral site by a lot. It was, what, 45 to 17, right, before garbage time? Yeah, the 175-yard garbage touchdown. Yeah. It's just, it's, so they sent them, and then, they, you know, all the messages that it sends, too. Like, if your quarterback goes, goes down, should everyone just quit playing, right? What What is the, what are we doing here? Oh, my God, I'm, I'm still mad. And I know a lot of people at Florida State, you know, fans out there are pissed off, and we have every right to be. And, and again, it you can go undefeated in the ACC, and it still matters less than losing in the SEC of the Big Ten. That's what they're saying. And there's no way around that. Florida State has to get out of this conference as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, I, and there are a lot of points in there that I wholeheartedly agree with. And and I have some some slightly different takes on kind of the same thing. But Ben, again, I, I'm, I'm, I want to go to you on this one, a Florida State guy raised in it. Same same thing to you, man. I, floor wide open. It, it's yours, whatever direction you'd like to take. Yeah, I, I, I think the first place I definitely want to start, you know, is just the the inconsistency out of the committee. Um, you, you know, it's 
it's one thing to have a certain set of criteria. And if FSU had not hit that criteria and, you know, they had determined that by the rules that they had set out ahead of time, um, you know, that's one thing. But in reality, the, the lack of logic in these rankings is just so it's just gross (laughs) to be honest with you. Gross is the word I keep coming back to Um, because this whole idea that, you know, the quote unquote, they want the best four teams. They want the the best matchups. If that's the reality of what's going on here, then why is FSU five? That's my question. That's my follow-up question. Georgia should be five if that's the case. And maybe other teams should be ahead of Florida state. Right. But that's not what, this has been about for the last 10 years and all of a sudden the last year that they're doing this where this committee is essentially gets a reset button after this year and they hold no responsibility for what happened and there will be zero consequences of this choice i I think that's the thing that irks me the most is that it 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 does feel like a a politics game it it feels like insider trading It, it feels like a situation where the outcome was almost predetermined and, you know, FSU literally could not do anything to overcome it. Um, and, and I think that's the thing that I really walk away from thinking, wow, that is just unbelievable. And a team sport like this. Um, yeah. I mean, truly, you know, it's not in, in my opinion. And, you know, I've heard other places say this, I think cover three is the first place I heard say this, but um, it's not the college football playoff. It's the college football invitational. It's it's not truly a playoff because that is not how they rewarded this system. It is a beauty pageant of what they deem to be the best matchups. And for a committee to have the attitude of them going into a room and deciding what how they think games will play out and how they think matchups will play out and presuming that FSU will just get blown out when they've overcome all these obstacles is insane. Um, And, you know, if that's the case too, then we can go back to this conference championship weekend because this isn't how it was supposed to happen. Washington wasn't supposed to win. Alabama wasn't supposed to win. So why did we, why did we even play those games? I I, I think those are the things I kind of walk, walk away from thinking is the lack of logic and consistency in the committee and, and the fact that it really just is about television ratings at this point and that seems to be the most important factor in all of this um it's just not a real playoff and i'm never going to consider it that anymore and the sh- the really really shitty thing is that this committee is absolved of, of not absolved of blame but they're you know moving forward you can't hold them accountable because they're going to be in a 12 team playoff. So the rules are going to change moving forward. So they're not going to be held accountable. There will not be any repercussions for them where they will have to make difficult decisions in the future based off of this, because they're going to change the rules next year. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, I, I, again, I I want to go back to, or not again, but I want to go back to what John just said about Jordan Travis too. and, And that whole point, I mean, it's just, Man, to to see him tweeting that, how he's wishing that he would have broken his leg earlier in the season, I it's just hard to understand. Um, and yes, it absolutely was a down year for the SEC. Alabama was just not deserving of being in the playoff. But you know, that's how TV ratings get made. I guess is you know they want to 
they want to get the games with the closest spreads. I, I, I think that's the thing where it's just, it makes absolutely no sense that a group of 15 or less people get to go into a room and decide a team's fate based off what they think, not what actually happens. I would say this decision today is the bare naked greed of what college football has become. And I presented the argument a month ago that I had concerns for where Florida state would end up if Alabama beat Georgia. Uh, At that point, my, my concern was, they love Georgia. They love they love that, right? The two-time defending champion won 29 in a row. My fear at that point was they could look at Bama and go, well, they've got to be in, they beat Georgia. And then, well, Georgia has only lost one game to Bama, well, we've got to put them in. And that was the puzzle pieces I was afraid of. John, I think, hit this one on the head for me. To pin this on Jordan Travis and... and to be a group of 13 to 15 uh, as a committee and say, this is because of Jordan Travis's injury. I told you a month ago that, that the pieces were clearly moving in, in the propaganda mill before his injury to make something like this happen. You could see the, well, who is Florida state played? You could see the pieces starting to move. Florida state is one of the four best teams in the country. There is no way you can make this decision without doing it on an assumption. There's no on-field argument for Florida State not being one of the four best teams in the country. John, you said it. They blew out LSU. I was there. Everyone watched it on TV. Millions of people watched it. It wasn't particularly close in the fourth quarter. It was close when the fourth quarter started, but Florida State stomped on the gas and ran away. They did the same throughout the season. But it really felt like for some reason, this Boston College game was something that just hung with this team forever because everyone needed something to pin against them. But to Mike Norvell's point, over and over again, the other teams in this have proven they can lose. Florida State didn't. They proved they can beat anybody any day. And this is a great football team. You cannot tell me that they are not as good as Texas, not as good as Alabama, because no one's beaten them. If you sit here and tell me LSU was a quality win for Alabama at home when they hurt the presumed Heisman Trophy winner, Jaden Daniels, at the start of the fourth quarter, didn't even have to face him in the fourth quarter of a close game, and Florida State had to face him, dominated them, held them out the goal line over and over again, it's the same players. It, to look the rest of the team in the in the face and say they don't deserve it because Jordan Travis is hurt. That one player is more important than Keon Coleman, Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson, Jared Verse, Braden Fisk, down the list. You are deciding that this team, off an assumption, is not as good as other teams. We sat here all season, and I sat here last week and poked holes in this team. Right, I, A month ago, I declared the run game was dead. I said they haven't played a starting quarterback in two months. Those things are all legitimate. If you haven't watched this team all season, and again, we call that nitpicking. Ben's called it nitpicking over and over again. 
But if you haven't watched this team all season, which quite frankly they haven't, what you learned last night was like, oh, well, the offense looks okay, and well, this third-string quarterback isn't really that good, which, like, no shit. Of course. But if you've watched this team all season, what you saw last night is proof they belong. What you saw on Saturday was that this is one of the best defenses in college football, period. That is a top-20 offense that they dominated at the point of attack. They ran them off the field. The amount of times, even when that offense with a third-string freshman quarterback who had six days to prepare for the game, couldn't move the ball, Louisville had no shot. They tackled the punter at like the 10, still couldn't score. This is an elite football team. To look at them and say, Michigan gets a pass when they intentionally schedule a bad, a bad schedule. Don't schedule anyone good out of conference. Florida State goes out of their way to schedule two of those. It's not Florida State's fault that Clemson was bad and are ranked, quite frankly, but that because Clemson's not number 10, that's, that's, a, that's a thing for them. That's a hindrance. If you haven't watched this team play, then you looked at last night as some detriment, but that was the pinnacle of this team. This was them at their best. To then look at them and say, with a month of practice, a month of game planning, a month of preparation, they couldn't make Tate better, put Tate in better positions. You can say, oh, well, the Florida game, he looked uh, whatever. They didn't look great. The Florida game, Tate had six days to prepare to take the snaps. Six days to become the starting quarterback, which he hasn't been all season. Then you turn around the following week and six days to prepare to get Brock Glenn ready to do it. And both times, they go away from home and win against I don't want to call Florida a quality opponent, but an opponent that's not UNLV. That's not UMass. To, to really bring it back to the beginning, to sit here and look at Jordan Travis and, and to sit here as a group of adults and put this on a kid who, like you said, quote, I wish my leg broke earlier in the season. What are we doing? What is any of this doing? To tell a team who plays hard, plays better than anyone, wins every game on the schedule, does so with the adversity of a backup quarterback, with a third-string quarterback, it ruins the sport. It, it renders it pointless. It is, to sound hyperbolic, college football died today. And, and that's, that's ridiculous. It is, it is a media-driven sport. They solely looked at who's going to put together the best Vegas spread, who's going to draw eyeballs. And I know Florida State draws eyeballs. They do. We've all seen it. This was about who's going to put together the closest spread. And they, they looked around and said, who do you least want to play? Who do you most want to play against? That's not what this is about. Bama had to get in. So Texas had to be in front of them. And Jordan Travis was an easy excuse. And that is the greed of college football. John, you, you brought it up before. That Texas beating an unranked team is not a, an unranked team who had the worst rushing defense in college football, who had one of the worst passing offenses in college football, a rushing attack that was Ollie Gordon and, and nobody else. A team that lost to South Alabama earlier this year was apparently the quality win Texas needed to vault up 
over a Georgia team they were carrying around as the greatest team in college football all season. Yeah, and it kind of tied us all together. Same thing that Ben said, too. It's just it's inconsistency everywhere you look, and the committee used this circular logic to get the outcome that they wanted. And that's how we know, because because uh, some report, I, I forgot her name, oh, um, Auerbach, I think it was, asked Boo Corrigan, right, the playoff committee chairman and North Carolina State athletic director, about Norvell's comments, you know, what? why even play the games if this is what you're going to do? And his answer was, well, this is a unique year. And again, that, that he gives the game away. That's how you know that they were going to put in an SEC team no matter what. If Georgia won, it would have been Georgia. But because it was Alabama, they had to put in Texas ahead of them, right? And yeah. that's how Texas leaps somehow by being an unranked team from seven to all the way to three because you had to put them above Bama and you were going to put Bama in. It doesn't matter the SEC didn't deserve it. It doesn't matter the playoff committee in past years has has uh, kept other conferences, including the ACC, out before. Can't leave the SEC out, right? And I... Oh my god, I'm I, I'm struggling to think because I'm so pissed still. And I, it's just though, I don't even know. I don't know. I. <laughs> well, I mean, so I, I mean, I, I spent all night and in, in this morning going back and forth with all different varieties of, of Florida of uh, college football fans and, and arguing back and forth. And um, the consensus from pretty much everybody I talked to was Florida State has to be in. I I was sitting around arguing. I could make an argument that I think on merit they could be ahead of Michigan. I know I thought Washington should have been number one in the country. And I, I think quite frankly, if I lined them up, I'm not sure Florida State's losing to Michigan. Yeah. They became Michigan by losing Jordan Travis. They're not any different. They have an elite defense and they move the ball mostly on the ground. Like I, I don't understand what we're doing. And I'm I'm old enough to remember the BCS, man. I'm old enough to remember when when what they did is they ranked you, right? They used the computers, whatever. Uh, it wasn't very transparent, but they ranked you. And usually how the rankings went was by your wins and losses, right? So all the undefeated teams at the top, all the one-loss teams, and you could argue between the one-loss teams, but that's what I'm talking about is you were tiered by the number of wins and losses that you had. So if you have three, three or four teams that are all with one loss, the argument was between them. Never. Ever do you argue that a one-loss team is above on unbeaten team? Because it just didn't happen. You would only argue and try to jockey within the you know the teams that all had also had one loss. And I think that's the worst thing about this playoff is they've it opened the door. They've not decided that they can just arbitrarily say, oh well, a team who won other games is still worse than a team who lost one, right? I, I even if even if like I said, even if Bama had lost to Auburn, which by the way again needs to be pointed out. They had to have a miracle fourth and goal from the 31 yard line to beat a six and five Auburn team. Right. It say Auburn had won that game and then Bama does come back and beats Georgia anyway. I think they would have just put Georgia in anyway. A again. It, and then think you can see it too on these shows. They're like, oh, well, it's not really Texas is in. It's really between Florida State and Bama. Well, then already predetermined that SEC team was going to get in. It's bullshit. Yeah. Well, I do think if. I think in that scenario, and, and to, to remind everyone, I mean, Bama, on top of needing the fourth and 31, wouldn't have the ball even in that position if Auburn doesn't even muff a punt. I mean, it took both two two horrific mistakes from Auburn in the last two minutes for them to win that game. Uh, and don't forget that, the, obviously, the USF game and things down the list. The Arkansas, who was horrid, had them on the ropes at home as well. Um, I do think in that scenario, if it had been 
that I think Texas is left out. To me, I, I end up with Texas being the one that's more egregious to me. Texas just gets squeezed in there based on because they beat Bama. That's literally the only. That's reason. It. it. It's quite literally they went to Bama and won because the rest of their games they should have lost at Houston. They should have lost at home to Kansas State. They should. I mean, these games are all within a play, and for them to vault up there by beating a team, I I said on the other podcast, I thought Oklahoma State was horrible and take your Texas and run away with the points. It was going to be a blowout regardless. I don't know how you could have been impressed by that. Ben, is that is that where you end up pissed off too? Is it, it Are you thinking it's it, – it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it, is there one team that bothers you more than others? Do you think they were just as good as Michigan? I, I, I can understand the, the Texas argument. Um, I, I, I do think you can look I, – I, I am pissed off more by the Bama, um, more so just because it does feel like – it feels like the, the media, the, the ESPN of it all, to be honest with you. It, it, it feels like we are in a power to conference system now, and that's just how it is. And that was predetermined ahead of time. And I, like it was already pointed out, it is no coincidence that the final four teams will be in those two conferences next year. I think there's, that is, I, I, I you know, I, and I think it's this, to, to me, the thing that, that keeps standing out is, you know, this is something fans always talk, have talked about in the last few years, right? That, oh, the, the, you know, networks want this, they, they, they want the SEC, they, they want certain matchups and all that. And now the way that, that this is all played out, they've, you know, for all the conspiracy, conspiracy theorists out there for the last few years, turns out they had a point. You know, and I think it's really hard to dispute the the media, the the, the ratings of it all. I, I mean, you know, one of my favorite tweets from today uh, was just from Reddit College Football saying that they would just respect it more if they came out and said Michigan, Alabama is going to get better ratings and it would get really good ratings because that would at least be transparent. Whereas in this system that they've set up where the argument became best versus the most deserving team whatever that means, there isn't any logical consistency that would leave Florida State out of it, but yet they are. So, I, you know, I think, yeah, I just go back to the fact that this is a ratings game and the fact that it was essentially predetermined based off the idea that they didn't want to blow out game. The, the college football committee essentially didn't give FSU the opportunity to lose that everyone assumed that they would. Right. They, they didn't even get the opportunity to go out and prove, you know, exactly where they were. So I, yeah, I, I think Bama to me is the more egregious one because the SEC has not been good this year. And as you pointed out with the Auburn game, that was not a game that they should have particularly won. And if and if you play out that scenario, that end of game scenario, a hundred times again, I'm not quite sure that even happens once. And then you look at some of their other games as well. It's not like they were exactly blowing out the SEC all year, right? This was a team that was consistently seven to eight throughout the bulk of the year. And then all of a sudden they make that leap because of tv ratings and vegas spreads and you know the ideal matchup so that you know the committee um doesn't want a quote-unquote boring game and and that's just not how college football should be determined i i think that's you know fans should really feel wronged that it doesn't matter what your team does it doesn't matter who your non-conference schedule is 
if you're a Big Ten or if you're an SEC team and you're one of those teams, you're going to get that nod now. And I think that's just kind of the way it is going to be now. Um, and I think that's a really unfortunate thing. And to be honest, looking forward, FSU has uh, home and aways against Georgia and Alabama, not not starting this year, but the next year. Why should they even play those games? You know, it, it, it's not in their benefit anymore to schedule those games because FSU is either going to be in the SEC or Big Ten or it's not going to be in their benefit to play those teams in the ACC schedule because it won't matter. And that to me is the the biggest travesty of it all that these games just clearly don't matter. And the committee told you that it's not a team sport that one player can, can, can determine this. And that's just not true, especially in college football, you know? Um, so, you know, I, I, and I think even, you know, to kind of take it outside of the college football world, if you look at other sports examples in 2017, when the Philadelphia Eagles were heading towards the Super Bowl, they had Carson once he had, he was an MVP candidate and he tore his ACL two weeks before the playoffs started. They shouldn't. They just should have not been in in the playoffs at all, according to this logic, right? So I, I I just think there is no logic or consistency within this committee. And again, I want to go back to my original point that they're not going to be held accountable for this decision and what that means for the future because they're moving to a different format. It literally does not matter. So they will live without the consequences of this. So I, I think overall, it's just a situation where as as fans of the sport beyond the FSU fan or, you know, encompassing of it all, like, like, like Brian said, both my parents are grads at FSU. I graduated there myself. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm unbiased, but as a strictly college football fan, we were cheated. And that is the thing that I just walk away from today feeling like, you know, everything that I felt, you know, I, I everything that I always felt about this sport, about the committee and just how insider trading it felt, it never really been confirmed and it got confirmed today. Well, and and, and I'll back you up on that and, and that it's not um, biased. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously I, I made no secret of it. I'm not, I'm not, Florida State affiliated. I, I didn't go to the school, but this is my, my this podcast is my attachment to it. And you can say like, oh well, sure, you'd love to have covered a college football playoff team and those things along the line. My wife's sitting a few feet from me here. Went to the 2014 national championship game uh, uh, in Pasadena. Watched Jameis and, and Kelvin Benjamin rip her heart out right in front of her. Auburn alum. She looked at the TV earlier and said, "That's fucked," because it is. Because it's it is this team deserved to be there, and and Ben, I do want to come right back to you on that. When you look at this team with Jordan Travis, and I believe it's truly the the, the part that bothers me the most. This team, if you look at say Jordan Travis is hurt, they are not that good. They're not that good. I believe you haven't watched this team this season at all, and I'm and I'm curious if you kind of feel the same way because. It's not like they were lighting up the scoreboard every week. It's something we talked about all season. They were winning because the defense was keeping people scoreless. It wasn't like every week they needed Jordan Travis to run around and scramble and throw some kind of Hail Mary against uh, Pitt to win. I mean, this was a team that could find ways to score on offense and suffocated you on defense. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, all year we were kind of confounded by 
what the hell was going on with this offense? Like, like what the fuck was going on with this offense when you have Jordan Travis, who is capable of what he was capable of last year, and you add Keon Coleman to that, you add Jaheim Bell to that, you add Kyle Morlock to that, and all of a sudden they look like how they looked. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we had serious questions about this offense all year. They had not played up to their potential, but they keep finding ways to win. And that was the thing about this team is, you know, the whole climb mantra, the, the you know, resiliency of this team. That was absolutely fucking a real thing. You know, it was not just a Mike Norvell punchline over and over and over like you see with some of these coaches where they got their own hashtags going on and everything. That wasn't it wasn't just a, a cute social media thing. It was actually what was going on with this football team. And to see the journey the four-year journey that this team has taken from being losers to being middle of the pack to being a 10-win team to the team they are now and to not have the opportunity to go out and prove where they rank among the best, I, I just don't know how you can walk away feeling like that's fair because it isn't. And, um, yeah, it's just – I again, I, I, I keep saying this point over and over, but it feels like – like, you know, and I'm not not that I'm going to go political here or anything, but it feels like a politics insider trading sort of thing. It feels like a predetermined outcome where the system was rigged and Florida State was never truly going to get that opportunity. And that's not what college football should be. That's not how fans should be feeling right now. And, you know, for the committee to do what they did and for the complete lapses in logic where you know what, if this was a situation where it was all about spreads and all about this and that, which it appeared to be for the final four teams, again, I want to go back to my first point. Why the hell is FSU five then? Because they're not going to be favored over Georgia. I can tell you that they would not be favored over Ohio State or Oregon or a lot of the teams behind them right now. But again, to get back to your main point, Brian, because I, di I diverted a little bit there. I do absolutely think this FSU team would have been capable against a Michigan, against a Washington. That defense, the way they're playing right now, just how elite they've shown to be, the playmakers they have, the defensive line they have, that secondary, the way they're playing right now, they deserve the opportunity to go out and prove it. And you know what? I don't know if I would have exactly predicted them to win, but to not even have the opportunity to show up and prove it, you, 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 you just feel robbed of a great sporting opportunity. Um, and yeah, that's the biggest thing I'm thinking right now is, is I, I, I felt robbed after Jordan got hurt because, you know, we all knew what that meant, you know, in terms of for, for Jordan and the journey he had been on and for everything he had been through to, to not have the opportunity to see it through. And then for the team to have that happen to them, I mean, you guys described it earlier, heartbreaking, you know, like, like just sad. It's, it is incredibly sad. And yeah, college football is dead. Wins do not matter. FSU should cancel its games against Georgia and Alabama. I do not think any of those things are overreactions. I, I can't get past the injury thing. I, I literally can't. It's, it was gross. And, and apply, you know, they're like, oh, well, Florida State's not the same team. Yada, yada. Well, the team that the Georgia team that Alabama beat yesterday didn't have a healthy Brock Bowers or Lad McConkey. They're not the same Georgia team that played earlier this year. So why does Baby get credit for beating them? Like, it's all stupid bullshit. 
It's a fucking joke. It's a joke. None of it, to Ben's point, makes any sense. There's nothing they could say. I mean, again, FSU is ahead of Texas all year long, right? Why all of a sudden they just immediately vault all the way up, right? Um, why then was Florida State four last week? If that was the case, right? And Jordan Travis, that's what you're going to take into account. Why did it change in one week? You know, I, I know Florida State had to play their third string quarterback in Brock Glenn against Louisville, and they won. But he wasn't going to play the bowl game or the playoff game, the semifinal, right? And everyone's like, oh, well, TCU got blown out. We don't want to see that again. Well, TCU won their semifinal game. Every playoff has had blowouts. You don't pick based on the future. And what Alfred had said in his statement, you don't pick these, the whoever, you know, the best teams or whatever, based on what you think is going to happen in the future. You do it how they did it now, what, what they did during the season. That's the only thing that matters. And I get the argument trying to find the balance between the best teams and the most deserving. But you only have three undefeated teams, right? This is it. And again, this is in the entire history of the BCS and the college football playoff for 25 years. It's the first time they ever let out left off a, an undefeated team in favor of uh, a one-loss team, not to mention two one-loss teams. It'd be one thing if you finish in the BCS with three undefeated teams, right? That's happened, I think. And you had to pick two of them or you had one undefeated team and two more one loss teams. And you had to pick between the two one loss teams and who gets to play for the national title, but never ever have they ever chosen a one loss team, much less two one loss teams ahead of an undefeated team. And they did it because sec. And the thing that pisses me the most, I put this in the, in the Tommy nation chat. FSU is also an ESPN property. What are we doing here? Why does Alabama or SEC ESPN properties matter more than Florida State. Like they're not Wake Forest. What the fuck are we doing here? It's a joke. Yeah, and if we go like I mentioned before, I mean Jordan, and don't get me wrong, as a Florida State fan and a guy who's watched his his growth over the years, it's it's I don't mean to belittle what Jordan has done, meant to the program or anything. This season he's averaging two hundred fifty yards a game to the air. I mean, it's not like he's out here averaging 450 total yards. It's not like he's, he's like I said, been making these plays that have gone above and beyond. And if you want to sit here and say, well, Flores is not the same team with, with, uh, without Jordan Travis, I, I, like I said, you have a month to scheme Tate into being that or something similar enough to be that, um, especially when you have guys, Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson, who can flatly beat anybody. It doesn't really matter who they line up against. Just put it up there and let them go get it. If anything, I think the bigger issue with this team remained and still was the offensive line, no matter who was behind them. Um, it's just disingenuous. And then you come back to this team and you look. So if you say that that, that it's because of Jordan Travis, they're not the same team without him. That's what Kirk Herbstreet was saying. That's what on down the list was saying. And, and all of it, asinine and unfair. Texas just lost Xavier Worthy, their best receiver, who got hurt in the Big 12 championship game. Not one time did it come up. Not one time did anyone say anything about it, like it mattered. He's pretty damn important to making Quinn Ewers look good. Uh, big, huge receiver, makes huge plays. Never came up. Washington has played largely throughout the season with injured wide receivers, and, and they've started to get healthier here and there, and it hasn't mattered. Obviously, Penix being as important as he is isn't hurt. Didn't seem to matter, didn't phase their their thing, but their run defense has been bad, has been terrible. 
they found one game to make it work against Oregon, and it was they're good. I saw it. They beat Oregon. They're in. Okay, I, I, I believe they. Like I said, I think they should have probably been one. But there's holes in the resume, and you look at Michigan. I don't even know where to fucking start with Michigan. <laughs> you open the year with a coach suspended three games for paying players. You close the year with the coach suspended three games for an elaborate multi-year cross-country cheating scandal of filming players, filming plays, filming signals, and the coach was suspended for three games, and we just all just move on and go, yep, that's clearly the best team in the country. That's clearly number one. No arguments. Everyone just, again, wipes their hands up and says, yep, of course. They lost multiple offensive linemen yesterday. Are they going to be healthy? God knows J.J. McCarthy isn't exactly I, – I wouldn't think he's any better than Tate. I don't think he's any better than anything else we've seen. And, and, and this committee and, – and I'm not sure how they rotate it out, and I probably should know how they decide who's on it and those sorts of things. And we're going to reach out to Boo and see if he'd like to join us and explain their discussions and how they got there and um, – right that he was willing to stand on TV and then ask Reese Davis, uh, Alabama alums questions on what he thought was the reasoning for why Bama should have been in and why Florida state shouldn't have. I'd love to hear if he'd like to take our questions on and, and see if he's available for it. But that when they were asked last week, why Oregon was ranked ahead, the response was it ahead of Bama, I believe it was, but the, the response is, well, you've got to look at Bo Nix's completion percentage. Who gives a shit what Bo Nix's completion percentage is? If you throw nothing but swing passes and screw them, to do with the football team they were ranking quarterbacks in there and and michigan as a football team with jj mccarthy is no better than florida state is with tate that you couldn't make them just as good as them with with a month to prepare to me florida state was the number three team in the country they should be heading to the sugar bowl getting ready to play against washington for me i just don't see and i think they could win that game i think washington on the defensive line that they've shown against stanford Colorado. Auto, a few other teams along the way that force them might have had a chance to run the ball on them or you see those different schematic changes that we've seen from Norvell and they go into last night's game I mean they make the move to the wildcat hit the home run and boom the game's over I mean you've seen this coaching staff if you've watched them find ways to make it work you couldn't tell me in a month they couldn't find a way to run the ball against or against uh, Washington that they couldn't find a way to scheme key on a couple of nice plays, a couple of shots to Johnny. They couldn't have found the ways to get Jaheim Bell finally involved in the run game like we've wanted for months. You couldn't tell me over a month they couldn't find that. And to just say, well, we think they would probably lose is bullshit. Because we sat here last week, Alabama was a six-point underdog to Georgia. They won the game fairly handily. It was, the, the late touchdown made it closer than 10, but Alabama won that by double digits. To sit here and say, well, we know that they'll probably lose. Last week, we knew that Alabama would probably lose to Georgia. They didn't. It's college football. They're 18 to 22-year-old kids. Anything can happen. But like Mike Norvell said, this team showed up every single week and did it. To tell them they don't deserve it, they could easily beat any one of the other teams with the effort we saw last night, the coaching we saw last night. I mean, John, the adjustments to the Wildcat and the way Fisk was shooting off the line, they, the plays they made on fourth down against this offense, I told you guys last week, I wanted to see them do it against a real def a real offense, and they did it last night. Yeah, that was a top 20, 25 offense in Louisville. 
I listen, I don't I don't know what we're they had negative plays in the fourth quarter. They did the same thing to Florida. This is an elite defense. They went from top 25 in the beginning of the season to top five at the end. It's a top 15, I think, rushing, top 15 rushing defense in the country as well. Yeah, they're absolutely dominant up front against a good offense. They did nothing. I, I don't I, – who's Michigan played? A middling Penn State team whose quarterback couldn't hit the side of, of a train station and and Ohio State, who they only barely, they barely beat? Like I, it just it makes none of it makes any sense, and I think what why it pisses me off so much is the whole point is it's just going undefeated in the ACC is not good enough. I don't think you're like you guys said. I don't think it would have mattered to Jordan Travis if he didn't get hurt. They would have found a way to do it anyway. Because sure being like in the it. ACC is not good enough. That's what they're saying. You have to be in the Big Ten or the ACC or the you Big know? Twelve, apparently. Yeah, yeah which now no longer exists. But yeah, like, or a future, a future Big Ten or future SEC team. You know, and, and they're saying, well, Texas is obviously in because they have the best win of the season because they beat Alabama. Didn't Texas lose to Oklahoma? Didn't Oklahoma lose like three games? How far are we going to play this game? Like, didn't Oklahoma State beat? Like, it... Oklahoma State lost to UCF by like a thousand. Alabama was in a dogfight with USF in the third quarter. What are we doing? Everyone's like, oh, well, Florida State only barely beat BC. Georgia almost lost a couple of games. Like, nobody was great this year. Georgia should have lost to Auburn, too. Yes, nobody was great this year. Everybody was beatable. And yet you leave the undefeated team out instead of two one-loss teams. Again, not losing used to matter. And... I don't know. I, I'm i never going to get over this in a way where I'm not going to be pissed every time I think about it. I'm never going to not be pissed off at ESPN for pulling the strings and making this happen. Um, never not going to be pissed at Boo Corrigan, the North Carolina State Athletic Director, who essentially just went right along with making his own conference irrelevant. Uh, the same North Carolina state that flipped and voted to expand because they know what's coming. You know, the Florida State and Clemson and other programs want to leave North Carolina. Um, and all the people who helped shill for this, it's a disgrace. Everyone should be ashamed. And and I think the shamelessness is what kills me. And again, I keep going back to using Jordan Travis's injury to kind of justify this blatant money grab, cronyism, all the things that Ben and you, Brian, have said. It's just gross. And college football is much worse today and going forward than it was yesterday. There's there's no logic in anything that you did, any, any reason that they give. You have 10 other examples of why that's stupid or doesn't make any sense. They just did it because they wanted to. And... You know, I, I know there's a part of me and there's some other fans out there who want Florida State to not play in the Orange Bowl. I know they're never not going to, you know, they're just not going to do that. But it kind of feels like they should just say, yeah, no, thanks. We'll finish 13-0 and undefeated. You know, I it's not going to be the same teams. I think half of both of these teams are going to, you know, players are going to declare it won't be the same game. But people are going to use it. Oh, see, Florida State shouldn't have gotten in. 
because they lost to Georgia by like 10. You know, when you're playing two totally different teams that we saw this whole season. It's just none of it made any sense. And uh, it's there's nothing that they can say that would justify it or make it feel any better. Uh, but again, I feel mostly bad for, for the players and the seniors and especially Jordan Travis. All these, with these kids, you know, from three wins to five to nine in the regular season to 12, right? And then you win the ACC back finally the first time in a decade. And you get nothing for it. When every year of this sport for the last 100 plus years until today, that meant something. And now it doesn't. Ben, I do want to take one chance here to to celebrate this team and give them the, the rightful applause and celebration that, that they deserve. Uh, but I did want to give you one more chance, uh, kind of like John just had there. And anything left unsaid, you, you, you want to get out there and, and make sure the people hear it about uh, how this is a joke? Well, I, I think the, the thought that was kind of crossing my mind in the last few minutes has just been that college football is the superior product, in my opinion, because anything can happen. But that doesn't matter when you don't let that happen when you don't let the results play out themselves. And to me, this is just college football continuing to shoot itself in the foot like they have for the last 10 years. And, you know, it's just, it, it is the, the tagline of the sport. My entire life has always been, it is the best product because it is 18 to 22 year olds. You do not know what is going to happen. And if you try and play out the games ahead of time, that's just not how it works. And today, that just wasn't true. And I, I think, like, John made a great point there. Just you bucked a trend that has existed in college football and the BCS and the playoff. And, and I mean, dating back before that for almost, I mean, or maybe 100 years. So I, I think it's just sad, the state of college football, that it has become so corporate and it has become so much about that media entity that we're left with this kind of result. And I think that's really, really sad for a sport that, you know, it's 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 our version of the beautiful game. It's like, you know, <laughs> anything could truly happen, but now that doesn't matter. It does not matter that anything can happen in college football. And that's really, really sad because that was the beauty of college football. So I think, you know, the whole sentiment that college football is dead it's hard to disagree with right now. Um, and I just keep getting back to, and I wrote, I wrote this down earlier, just not the assumption that they were going to lose and to not even have that opportunity to go out and prove that. And this kind of sport with what I was just talking about, um, just sad, very sad for the sport. And I, I truly think the sport will never be the same because of this. <sighs> Um, it just sucks, man. I don't know how else to say it. It just really, really sucks. And yeah, again, want to reiterate what John said. I feel bad for those players. I, I've spent quite a lot of time around those guys, and um, yeah, I, I don't even know, even really what to think about all that right now. All these guys who are never going to play for Florida State again because of a decision that like thirteen people made in a room. 
that is fucking ridiculous. And they do it by secret ballot too, by the way, we're never allowed to know who voted for who. And I would imagine that some of the committee members, I believe there's 13 of them. Some of them probably did vote FSU three, but then I bet you, you have a lot of them who voted FSU like seventh somehow. And that's probably how they got down to fifth. I'm sure there but was the fa- a lot of, go ahead. No, I'm just saying the fact that we won't ever get to know who voted for who is an absolute joke. It's ridiculous. Like, you can't. It's just a joke. We were sold for a few years here since really 2020, I believe, the the idea of college football's death being NIL, being players being paid, uh, that Jordan Travis could sell Tiger King t-shirts would somehow dismantle the sport, that so on down the line, that would be what ended the sport. What ended the sport was when we all looked at each other, and I, and I say we all as as college football fans, but in reality, media executives, those with the powers that be, those in the NCAA, those who run the sport. When we sat here and decided during the pandemic, when none of us knew what anything in the future held, what was next for any of us, and obviously we've all learned since then, but at the time no one knew, but that nothing was more important than getting some form of football on the TV because ESPN had Saturdays to fill. And then that day, that decision is what ultimately leads us back around to here. Because all this has been, is, and will be going forward is money moves. It's all money moves. We sat here all offseason discussing Does Florida State have the money to buy their way out of the ACC this year? Is it next year? What does the TV contract say? Florida State is one of the premier programs in college football. They are one of the five programs, if not probably higher, that you would say are college football. To decide that the dollar that, to Ben's point, ratings, because you are not letting it decide on the field what the end result will be. You are deciding it in a boardroom with suits, with guys old enough to be my grandpa, that they decide what 18 and 22-year-olds will do on the field is asinine. And, and quite frankly, is that. It is greed. It is dollars. It is the bag that the old men in charge have decided is more important. So, no, the end of college football is not Jordan Travis selling T-shirts or Keon Coleman working drive throughs or, or whatever other sponsorships the guys have. The death of college football is old guys chasing dollars. And, and that is where... Florida State died today, was on the decision of dollars. Not one thing a single one of those guys did in this room. Not one of those guys did the work, worked hard for. Not a T-shirt they sold, an autograph signing they went to. Not a one of those is what put them here. They worked all year. They worked all offseason. Ben, you said it, man. You were there yesterday. You, you were there in their faces talking to them. 
Braden Fisk grew up this year in a way that none of us ever expected. Jared Verse turned down NFL millions of dollars to come back and compete for this thing. Trey Benson probably could have done the same. We can go down the list, right? Keon Coleman's birthday growth as a Florida State star happened right in front of us this year. The, 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 the blossoming of Tatum Bethune, you see AZ growing up yesterday. I mean, you can go down the list and, and see guys who sacrifice so much to come back, compete, play, and play at an incredibly high level. It's ended on the pursuit of a dollar. And, John, I, I want to stop that conversation there, and, and I want to specifically talk to this team, 13-0, and ACC champion, chance to finish the year as one of the, the undefeated teams in this school's history. I know this will be part of this team's legacy. And, and to your point, we don't know what they'll look like in the bowl game, guys declaring, guys going pro, guys just wanting to sit it out. That way they don't hurt next year's playoff resume with an injury. How do you remember this team? What is it that when you look at this roster, what do you see? Because uh, there's a lot to unpack in what this team has meant to the program and, and to themselves. I'm going to always see and remember uh, when I think about this team, the 13-0. That's how they're going to end for me. Them on this stage, winning the ACC Conference Championship trophy and the way that they did it. Right. And we had talked all season long. We had said this was going to be a fun season. This was going to be good. We thought they're going to have a top five offense. And and on sometimes they they did. They looked like that. And and other times, like I said, you we talked about you, we've all nitpicked them and and then all the other stuff. But one thing they kept doing is they just kept winning. It's like what Norvell said in the post game after Louisville. They just they just win. After game after game, opponent after opponent, they won. And I think Brian, you you hit it on the head that I always remember this team for the culture and how much they cared about each other and the heart and the grit and the adversity and how they fought through everything. And, you know, Travis getting injured and that they were doing it for him and, and, and all those kinds of things. And that the defense who, you know, I came up here and I criticized Fuller for doing less with more and all this other stuff. And, and he gets them together and they communicate better and they give more effort and, 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 I criticized Norvell for his stupid defensive rotation that turned out to be amazing. And you end up with a top five, maybe top three defense in the country at the end of the year. Absolutely unbelievable, special, special team. I'm so glad to have gotten to watch them. I appreciate every single one of them for all the work that they put into all offseason. Um, it's just an insane job by every player, all the coaches, Everything like that. And I will remember this team as 13-0, the team who was robbed of a chance. I don't care. The bowl game's meaningless. It won't be the same team. So, yeah, there might end up being maybe potentially a 13-1 and official record. But to me, this team finishes 13-0. and And they were. that's how I'll remember them. I think that's their legacy. I think they're one of the best teams in the history of the school, one of the best teams in the history of the ACC and they did it on both sides of the ball and how they grew together and they fought together. 
Um, that that's how I'll I'll remember them. Ben, yeah. you got to look them in the face yesterday. What what was your what'll be your takeaway? Yeah, I th- I think my biggest takeaway is just you know the culmination of Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis bringing this program back from the dead. I mean that truly is what happened. I mean I. I I vividly remember uh, my my freshman year in Tallahassee. I think it was the uh, Virginia Tech game. One of the I think it was the very first Willie Taggart game, and uh, I sat there with my dad, who's an FSU grad. Who you know, about a quarter in, he looks over at me, and goes, "This doesn't seem right," <laughs> and it wasn't. And he ended up being right about that. Um, and just to think about how far this program has come and the turnaround that we've seen, I we just haven't seen a turnaround like this in college football in the last five, 10 years in this era, you know, to see this kind of turnaround in the NIL era where everyone can transfer and supposedly you can buy players even easier now and all those other things that people want to talk about with this new era of college football and all the great things you mentioned, Brian, with the NIL era, you know, I, I for them to take this team from that point to where they are now um it it you know not to uh play too much on the whole climb mantra but this is the peak you know they peaked this is the peak of what they climb towards and um you know like like john mentioned for them to be robbed of the opportunity it's that's obviously going to stick with me for a while. I, I think the other thing though, that does come across my mind um, and especially just being someone who I, I really enjoyed the NFL game and getting to see the players from college to the league is just how many superstars are on this team who are going to be difference makers on Sunday, not just NFL players, not just guys on rosters, like legit fucking difference makers on this team. I mean, Braden Fisk is going to be a day two draft pick right now. Jared verse. I mean, he has just turned it on in a way that earlier in the season, I was questioning him. I was saying, you know, he hadn't produced the sack numbers. The pressures were there, but they weren't closing out um, for him to close out like he did. Keon Coleman. Yeah, sure. I, if we're going to gripe a little, those two drops yesterday, not great, Keon, but, you know, I, I can live with that for, for the rest of the season that Keon gave to this team, in my opinion, the best receiver season of my lifetime um for for an FSU student. So I think those are the things that really come across my mind is just all the superstar players, Trey Benson, Johnny Wilson. Um, I think Jaheim Bell is going to be a Sunday player. Again, it, it, this roster is just littered with difference makers. And um I I am excited to see what those guys look at it look like at the next level. Um because for me right now and like you guys laid out, they're not, you know they they probably aren't going to play in the bowl game, and they fucking shouldn't. It'd be idiotic. It just would not be smart. And especially how they got screwed over in this scenario, that especially should have them not playing in this game. So, um, you know, this is the last time we've seen this team like we did last night. Um, so yeah, I, I think just. Man, the players on this football team, I think we're going to look back on this team in five years and look at this depth chart and this roster and and just realize 
how fucking special they were. This is a really, really special group. I think last night watching this team, I had a lot of the feelings that both of you mentioned um, in terms of the the climb. Uh, watching them celebrate after the game, and Norvell turning around, and, and I wouldn't call it uh, jumping into Alfred's arms, but uh, embracing each other. He more jumped into Odell's arms as he got hoisted up in the sky. And it, it actually brought me back to my first day covering this program. Uh, Perry actually drove us out to Lakeland uh, where Norvell and the coaching staff were running a youth football camp to call it that in what amounted to the field next to the parking lot of the Tigers like spring ball facility. And it felt small time, but at the same time, you could see a guy who cared, a, a, a coaching staff who cared. There's no reason for Florida State's entire coaching staff to have been in Lakeland on a random, I forget what it even was, June or April or something, off-season time, post-spring game. But Mike Norvell saw where this program needed to come from, and it was instilling the care into the community. And it, that goes beyond Tallahassee. It goes beyond, quite frankly, Florida, but at this point it was Lakeland. But it goes to Knowles Nation everywhere. To go from there and see the guy who was willing to stop and take a picture with everybody and Odell being a celebrity with everyone sitting around, to then watching Mike Norvell, like I said, jump into Odell's arms, to, to watch him turn around and embrace Alfred like that and look at his players and be on this field and celebrate felt like the top of the mountain, the, the, the climb to the highest point. And, and I still watching it last night was like, this is crazy. Because, John, you and I have sat here going back to, to even before Max, so when, when Juan did this with us, we talked about how that first year was the lose-a-lot year. The lose-a-little mm -hmm. year. The win-a-little year was this year. And next year was, was the win-a-lot year, was the year you're supposed to build to it. Through Norvell's work in the portal, the, the the recruiting, the coaching, the the way they have turned things around, this became the win a lot year. You got there early. Now the way the roster's built, you kind of had to get there this year because next year you've got a lot of pieces to still fill. But I sat there going, "Wow, they they really climbed it quicker than expected." I can't. You're so used to seeing they're just being a hurdle. You, you climb and, and you face it, and it was like. Jordan's injury is that you overcome it. And, and I was like, wow, this is just awesome. Because, you know, the, the, the LSU win uh, of not this season, but the year before was like, okay, they can do this. Like you could see the building blocks starting to come into place. The Clemson win this year, the, the finally the deep breath on it. And you could see the marks on the climb to get to where they are today. Look at the climb of the program, like Ben said, from, from the depths of where they were, the, the alleged death of this program, 
to last night to today, the clouds almost clear, and you realize there's still so much more mountain ahead of them because of the way they were treated today. It hurts. It's unfair. It sucks. I don't think anyone's better equipped to handle it than Mike Norvell. He shouldn't have to. He shouldn't need to. He should have the first opportunity for this team, this program, to fight for it. But I think he can do it regardless. And and if I had to pin anything, that's where I'd end up with this program and, and how he instilled his imprint on both this team, the program, the, the boostership, the fan base, everything I've seen from any one of you guys from uh, our group chats, the Twitter timeline and beyond, everyone loved this team. And I think it all goes back to Mike Norvell being that guy who just gives a shit about what he's doing. This team, this program, and everybody around it. The guy deserves his his bonus, I'm sure, is in his contract, that, that the playoff bonus. So someone write the check and give it to him to fill that spot. And I guess it's just keep climbing. And unfortunate, as unfortunate as that is, and that guy deserves it just as much as anybody else in this program does. That he he instilled this program and brought it from Ben's sad day watching Virginia Tech with his dad to today. Work's not done, and he's not going to quit, I'm sure. And, and I think, you know, the video is all over of, of the team reacting to the news of not making it. The the video that ESPN is just drooling over all over their TikToks and their Instagrams and all those things. But at the very end of that clip, Norvell jumps out of his chair and 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 gets up to the front of the room. That's a leader. That's the guy you want leading this program. His his statement is spot on, and I'm sure that is the nice version of what he wants to say. Pay that man whatever he wants. Go get the money from your boosters, the fan base, if you're pissed. Support this team. Support him. You have every right to be. All of us have every right to be. But you've got the right guy in charge. Yeah. I, yeah. I do I, I, I do think there's no one better equipped to to handle this situation. That, that's a really great point, Brian, that, you know, Mike Norvell, I don't think he needed any added fuel to the fire, but he certainly got it now. <laughs> and, um, yeah, no, I, I, I just wanted to mention that it's a really excellent point that, you know, if there's one good takeaway that we can walk away from with this situation is that, Florida State football has hasn't been in as good as a state as they are right now for ten years, um, and maybe even beyond that, you could argue. So, yeah, I, I have the utmost confidence that Mike Norvell will deliver this team a national championship at some point. That he will accomplish a lot at this program and will go down. I, and he maybe not definitely, but has the potential to go down as an all-time head coach. Now, there's a lot of steps in between that, but, um, you know, I, I I do think you're right that right now with the state of college football, 
the transfer portal and NIL and all those new things, Mike has proven where he belongs in that pecking order. Um, and I don't think he's going to be ignored moving forward. I, I think, you know, not that people were exactly doubting FSU this season, but um, yeah, moving forward, whew, Mike, you got a lot of motivation and you didn't need it. So now I'm, I'm kind of curious to see just how scorched earth you go. Um, so yeah, I, I think just excited for this program moving forward because, you know, the future has never been brighter in my opinion. Yeah. Next year is going to be a little bit of a rebuilding year. You're looking more like 2025, 2026, but I, I agree with, with you guys. I, I mean, Mike Norbell's clearly the guy, you know, he, he just gets it. Um, it was kind of clear from, from, you know, the very beginning, there's a lot of stuff that happened under Jimbo Fisher, even when Florida State was good in 2013 and 14. That was just unsustainable, right? And culture issues and things like that. And, and then he kind of leaves some things a mess. And, you know, you know, there's that big ESPN article about how deep the whole Florida State was in. And, you know, and then they hire Willie Taggart and it turned out to be kind of a disaster, right? He he sets the program back even a few more years. And I think to Brian's point, it's just pretty incredible how quickly – Mike Norrell fixed this. I remember his press conference after that loss to Jacksonville State. People were calling him to be fired. And I even came on here on this pod and I talked about how, you know, when you lose a game to FCS, you kind of deserve to get fired. Um, not that they should, right? And, um, you know, in the next season, a few people, you know, not a few, but a lot of people are calling for Mike Norvell's head. And it was just the wrong move. And I, I again, I think Norvell, it's just, it was a long, long road, and to come all the way here, and, and you're right, to do it with Jordan Travis, because he hasn't done it alone, to get this far, and you know, to see Jordan go down, and then to see this taken away from you, um, it, it was brutal. And again, I do think Florida State has the right guy. Uh, I, you know, you always worry about a coach's message getting stale, but you know. All of his players and Memphis all talked about him, that he was a great coach. The players love to play for him. I think he treats everyone fairly. Uh, the player development, the the culture, everything he's done at Florida State has been unbelievable. I hope Florida State's able to hold on to Mike Norvell. I hope Florida State's able to position itself. I mean, he's, again, to Ben's point, he saw Florida State through you know, the COVID and those issues. He, he saw Florida State through the transfer portal changes and now NIL and that would sink most other coaches who took over a program in a situation like this, right? With Florida state as deep in a hole as they were in. And that's a lot. I mean, the landscape of the, the game changed around him while you're trying to rebuild a program. And he did all of that and brought them all the way here to 13 and 0 you take the conference back from Clemson, who had had it in a stranglehold since since 2015. And to, to do that is just, it's nothing less than remarkable. It's just as special as this team. I mean, they, they are a reflection of the work that he put in and what he does every single day. So, yeah, I think the future is bright at Florida State. I think Norvell's the right guy. I, But, yeah, I, I hope he gets more shots. I think with the 12-team playoff, it's going to be more difficult to go all the way and beat a bunch of teams that are just as talented, if not more than you. Uh, but I'd like to see him try. Cause I, I think he, he's going to do pretty good. 
I, I do think one thing that, you know, kind of stood out from last night and of course, you know, so I was at the press conference last night after the game, just to give some context to listeners. Um, Everyone was asking about the playoff. Everyone was asking him, why do you deserve to be there? But one of the statements that, that Mike brought up himself that really stood out to me um, is this is the highest G- GPA in program history, I believe, you know, um, and the culture that he has set in this program, not just on the field, but off the field, the the, the young men that he, he is building up um, and, and the stories that I think we're going to hear about years from now about ends of the roster guys and, and players who didn't necessarily get all the playing time in the world and just all the people who, whose lives he improved. Um, you know, I know there's not a lot of positive takeaways today, but the, the the young men who came in through this team over the last few years, um, I think he certainly had a profound effect on them, not just in their playing career, but in, in their lives moving forward. So, you know, I, I definitely wanted to mention that before we get out of here, because, you know, like you mentioned, the, the culture of this program 10 years ago, I mean, was just not what it should have been. And for Mike Norvell to not only see through all the on-field and NIL and transfer challenges, but the off-field challenges as well, and to have this culture where it is, um, you have to be really proud of that if you're a Florida State fan or alumni. At the end of the day, I, I think this is probably where we we should wrap it up because we could go on, I think, for the rest of time on the reasons and the frustrations of today and, and everything. But I do think even if it's not the ending we want it to be and the clear, I think, wrong ending, it, it is thank you to this team. A 13-0 team, a undefeated team, a team that was fun every Saturday, was willing to go out and, and find ways to win, fight like hell, embrace the embodiment of what this program not only should be, but quite frankly deserves to be. A, a team, like I said, that embodies college football. Um, thank you. Thank you for going out and fighting. Thank you for the memories of the season. It's a damn shame you're not rewarded for it. And on top of everything to, like you said, Mike Norvell and Jordan Travis, um, thanks for restoring us, putting us back where we belong. Obviously, Jordan, next chapter to go ahead, and and, and Mike, work still to do and, and regroup, regather, and, and continue on that climb. Obviously, Jordan, we're going to miss you, and we, we talked about it, and, and to the guys like Verse and so on down the list who are who are heading on to the next time, like, like Ben said, I – I'm sure we'll sit here every Sunday and go, oh, man, if only, you know, remember that and look, oh, there goes Fisk again and, and down the line. And I'm sure there'll be guys that even then we don't we don't uh, that aren't the top line names now. That'll that'll be those guys down the list. We'll see it all the time and uh, sucks to end this way. But a 13 and 0 season, an ACC championship is, I think, what John has declared would have been his successful season what they needed to do to finish a successful season to pass his report card. So um, I'll give them credit for that, John. Yes. Successful season. I see a nodding head. Yeah. You play your third string quarterback in a game like that. You kind of just get what you get and they won anyway. So yeah, it's, it was a successful season. Uh, They were robbed of a chance for it to be more. And Ben, I, I see you nodding in agreement. So 
I really wish there was a better way to end it, but uh, I, I don't know what our next episode looks like. I, I have no idea. I assume it'll be either next week or the week after. Maybe we take two weeks, take a deep breath and relax. But uh, again, if Boo Corrigan is available and out there, I'd like to answer my questions as opposed to good old Bama boy Reese Davis's questions on ESPN. I am ready, willing, and able as long as you're not interfering with my day job. Um, otherwise, you know, We'll see if he comes available. We'll we'll have that episode for you. Otherwise, we'll be back and figure out uh, what it is we want to talk about. If it's the Orange Bowl, sure. But if it's not, we'll find something else to talk about. I'm sure there's plenty and enough going on where we can look back at this team or look ahead at what's next. So uh, until then, for Brian, Ben, and John, that's a wrap. 